0: This is the Roscoe's Wetsuit Neuro Podcast, the Neurohacking Show, where we teach you how to optimize your cognition. Keep up to date at RoscoesWetsuitNeuro.com. Now, here's your host, Toby Passman. All right, we have a special guest on the show with us today, Carolyn Colleen. Carolyn is a fierce mother of three children, author, international speaker entrepreneur, and business strategist focused on helping others achieve their goals. Carolyn is the founder of the Fierce Academy, an online program that helps women create life strategies that enable them to have the life they dream of without sacrificing their families, careers, or lifestyles. She's also the author of Fierce, Transform Your Life in the Face of Adversity, Five Minutes at a Time. So, Carolyn, super excited to have you on the show today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So tell me a little about kind of your, your, uh, your childhood, your upbringing, kind of what led you to kind of down the path that you eventually got down.
1: So I am uh, hailing here from Wisconsin, and I actually grew up here. I lived in, uh, I think, four or five different states before the age of seven. Uh, But this has been the longest I've been in one area, and that is in Wisconsin. So I grew up um, Midwestern, and over my youth, I experienced many different adversities, um, none that are, I would say, unique, but definitely not um, anything that should happen to a child so over my youth i've experienced um, sexual molestation and sexual abuse from both men and women along with um, physical abuse and emotional abuse and dealing with that growing up was um, difficult in that it was random people coming in out of my house and um, seeking to abuse and um, it Definitely affected the way that I saw the world. Growing up that way with my sister, who is nine years younger than me, and I was her protector, I helped protect her from uh, all of these random people who sought to um, abuse. And we grew up surviving. And through survival, you have a certain way of looking at the world and as i grew into teenage years i saw the world as a place that um sought to just basically be um just here to be used in some way and when you have a perspective of that at a young age that tends to be what you gravitate to as well and i found myself in a very abusive marriage as a very, as a as a teen and a teen mom so i um <clears throat> So what I did is I was able to navigate that a bit of what life meant as a teenage mom and a, a wife. Um, so 19 years old, there I am with a child and uh, in an abusive marriage, and didn't know that that's what it was. I thought that love was uh, someone who monitored your food uh, intake and monitored your time and alienated you from everyone um, that knew and loved you. I thought that was love. And so I didn't really know that it was any different. And um, until my daughter, when my daughter was born, I realized what love was, and uh, realized that it was something that was unconditional and that she deserved more, even if I didn't think I did. So uh, what I, what at that point, what I did is I thought of a way to leave my abusive marriage, and I found myself in the Salvation Army. So in the Salvation Army, I found uh, I found uh, myself standing in the Salvation Army, just surrounded by people from all different walks of life, in um, different journeys and i remember standing there and there's the fluorescent lights beating down on me or at least that's what it felt like in that moment and i was immobilized by fear and by um anxiety and by uh, not knowing where my next meal would come from with a child two boxes in the toddler bed and um the immobilization of um hmm, what am I going to do now? How did I end up here? And what does my future look like? In, the, in those moments, I looked around and I thought, this can't be my life. This is not this is not what I had planned. And I needed to make a change in a way to escape the mm-hmm. the paralyzing um, flashbacks that I was experiencing and the paralyzing um fear of uncertainty and then also the fear of uh, <clears throat> losing my life because I was promised that if I left my abusive relationship I would um my husband would end my life in his own so that we could be together forever. So those were real fears in that space, but I needed to be able to move forward. So uh, a very meaningful and person social worker said to me it's okay carolyn you can get through the day one day at a time just go one day at a time and that's a very. <clears throat> common saying one day at a time and, and overall I would say it's an acceptable thing except for. When you are um, you know, going through. When you're cycling those traumatic events through your mind and you're in a block so i had created a mental jail in that i felt immobilized and i couldn't move forward um one day was almost too much so like why even get out of bed and so i had to break it down and i broke it down to five minutes at a time so i thought okay i can get through five minutes at a time um, i can Focus on one thing right in front of me that I can actually achieve in five minutes. And so when the anger came up from having a mother who had, was an undiagnosed mental health and um, schizophrenic tendencies with um, being raised with uh, a hoarder who I was surrounded by cockroaches and Uh, mice and just hordes of garbage everywhere and, um, you know, being raised with just just some days there was a lot of love and some days there was none at all and I'd be reminded that I was adopted and I cost $10,000 and I had to earn my keep and all this anger that would come up with why me and the anger that would come up with the, um, with, you know, leaving a abusive relationship and the anger of all the perpetrators, um, when I would have those thoughts and those emotions and those flashbacks of things that never should have happened in my lifetime or anyone's lifetime. Um, I would use those emotions um, as fuel to push me in a proper in, in, a, in, a, in a direction that served me rather than self sabotage me. And so you know that that space of which is you know that space of fight or flight or freeze when that emotion pop up, I would honor that emotion and I would use it as fuel in which to um, ignite me to make a decision that, that served me. And I did that five minutes at a time. So five minutes at a time, standing in line with the Salvation Army, five minutes at a time, stacking and stacking and stacking that in order to first put on a smile so that my daughter wouldn't be afraid and move forward in that line to get food move forward in the decision to get into low-income housing, move forward in the, the decision to um, fill out that paperwork line by line in order to get food stamps, um, figuring out how to patch food pantry to food pantry together in order to make sure that we had enough food for the week, and continuing moving forward five minutes at a time to registering in school, to raising, to building my career, to getting out of low-income housing. I worked um, sometimes 60 hours a week while going to school full time to try it and escape that circle of poverty that I had found myself in. I cleaned houses, I babysat, I bartended, I um, worked at the hospital to get insurance. I worked and worked and worked and worked and worked five minutes at a time, not thinking um, back but pushing forward. And I was able to push and build my career and build my education in which to raise my income and escape not only the circle of abuse but the circle of poverty and while doing that slowly evolving into the next evolution of who i was as a mom and as as a as a woman and um and fast forward now i've been able to go from standing in line at the salvation army seeking food and not knowing where i what what to do and how to do it to um, being on the board of the Salvation Army helping people to combat homelessness and then I went um, from as a teenager trying to end my life because I felt such demise and loss and lack of love um, and seeking advice from the PhD in order to help me um, help save my life to Fast-forwarding to being a PhD candidate, in which to save the lives of others, and um, it's interesting as I look and reflect on the evolution of who we are as humans and the resilience that we have. Truly, for me, it was breaking it down five minutes at a time, in which to further build up, making decisions that served me, in which to get me to where I am. Because the people who have been through. Things that are exactly the same, even grew up in the same block as I did, are still at the Salvation Army. And so I feel very um, fortunate in that I've figured out a way to um, use those emotions and use those um, um, triggers and, and flashbacks and all those things that can really crush a human and they've used it as fuel to push me in a direction that would serve me compared to self-sabotage.
0: One of the, the really interesting things that you mentioned there was, was that your daughter, having your daughter kind of taught you unconditional love. And I, it was something I, I've just recently been reading more into kind of attachment styles, learning about you know how our relationship with our parents, how we were raised, you know, then comes to impact our ability to be able to form kind of healthy relationships in our lives as we become adults. Did that, have you read much on attachment styles? Does that, do you pay much attention to that?
1: I heard something similar. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know if I know the name, um, but uh, for the unconditional love, that was a piece that I needed because I didn't love myself. And be, And like just like you said, because of the way that I was raised, the way that I saw the world and the way that I saw relationships and what they they meant, so or didn't mean, because a lot of times when you're sitting in a space of um, survival, you're not necessarily growing, or um, having the opportunity to reflect and say, "Hey, you know, the way I see it might not be." the way that it could be, or it might not be the way that it serves me the most, or um, or even just seeing outside of your own box um, in order to identify what a healthy relationship or vantage point or perspective might be. And then also to ask questions because um, you know, particularly in survival mode, a lot of times you don't have time for questions. We just have time to push forward. And so yeah, in order to be able to use um, that unconditional love and experience what that actually means in the true sense for the first time was very profound. And that was a motivator in order to say, hey, what I thought I knew might not be real or it might not be the definition of, it might be real, but it might not be what actually serves me. So... We need to probably unpackage
0: that a bit more. And so that that's interesting in terms of being able to kind of break those, uh, break it down into those five minute chunks in which you you just kind of um, continue push, continue to push forward. You know, I, I wanted to ask you as far as was there was there a time was there a point in which you thought that you were just sort of a um, kind of a, a a product of your environment and and just simply you didn't have, you maybe had more of a victim mentality. And if so, was there then, was there a shift in perspective that you took that at some point you took in order to say, you know what, I can get myself out of this. I can improve my relationships. I can raise, you know, raise a healthy child. I can advance my career, go back to school. Like, did, did something flip at any point
1: you know yes i'm glad you asked that because yes it was a struggle it was a struggle for me to leave my marriage um it took me now when i realized what unconditional love was my daughter was two, two, two months old and she was born colicky, which means that this baby a baby that screams nonstop and there's no cure for it so imagine being 19 years old Not, uh, you know, you think about a 19 year old, how much experience in life do you truly have? And then having a baby that's screaming nonstop, your, your, your mental health status is not so strong. And so my daughter, um, at two months old, um, that's when I kind of, you know, she stopped crying and she, she, I, I, I was able to actually know her. And when I was able to know her, um, and see the love that i had for another person um i realized what that unconditional love meant and was now up until that point of my life i i did have um i said i would say a victim mentality and probably a while after that too i was very angry i was very um um i would say angry would encompass the word uh or the the feeling and I had, you know, I had right to be angry. However, um, that that pivotal moment where I just uh, it kind of the switch was really when I started to see that, like, when I was standing in line and I'm like, this is not my life, and this isn't really where I I want to be, and this is not the future for my child. I fast forwarded, and, and the thing that kind of kicked me out of out of that relationship was I I looked into the future. And I saw my daughter at 19 years old, the same age as me. And I thought, I know statistically that if I were to stay in this relationship, my daughter will actually do the same thing. She will marry her father. She will be in a relationship and the statistics are very high. She'll also be a young mom. She will all just like my mother before me. And she will also um, have struggles with income in poverty and she will also be in abusive relationships and that was not acceptable to me so i ended up um taking a stand to stop the circle or the cycle and um having a victim mentality definitely definitely did because i was um i was afraid i was afraid of what was on the other side and what really kind of knocked me out of that is thinking about every person, um, every person and the environment, um, both that um, had wronged me since starting at age four, um, with my my teenage neighbor who molested me um, starting at age four. And all those people and all those wrongs over my short lifetime, if I were to continue in a victim mentality, then I would not be able to live a life that I deserved or even learn what that meant. Therefore, they win. So all the people that had sought to keep me down and sought to abuse and uh, victimize me Me living in that victim mindset for the rest of my life makes me the victim. And it also makes it so that they win. And I wasn't about to allow all those evil people to win. So therefore, I had to do something different. I had to change the way I was thinking. I had to change the way I saw it. Now, was it right? No. However, it wasn't going to define me as to where I was going to.
0: And you talked about, you know, using some of those, you know, that anger that came from some of those traumatic experiences to actually fuel you forward. I wanted to ask you, did you ever find it, was it ever important in your life to, to go back, say in psychotherapy to address those specific traumas? Or was it, did you find it more so beneficial to just you know, say, okay, you know, my past is my past, but I'm going to just improve my my future going forward.
1: Oh, I've done, uh, it was 20 years of therapy. Yes. So uh, weekly therapy. And um, I feel that everyone should have um, therapy, whether you've had adverse childhood or not, no matter your ACE score, I feel you should also have therapy. And I advocate for quite, a, quite a bit for it because it gives you an opportunity to unpack um, you know, what deep-seated things might be lingering that you can unveil. But then also, I would encourage you to add on a, a, a twist of, of disruptive thought. So, um, you know, is there, um, do I have a background of the fear of abandonment? Definitely. However, there's that knowing that it's there, and then what do you do about it? what are you going are you going to um, process through it and acknowledge it because it's all part of you whether we've chosen or not however how do we lean into all right it happened that is what happened it is true and valid but how does it work for you in a way meaning it's not holding you back um and it's not keeping you in a space of anguish in some way so therapy is beautiful because it helps unpack the things of your past it helps you see and understand why you do what you do sometimes and then I recommend also getting a coach or a like a um someone who not only sees the thing not uh, therapy only sees all the things and the damage within you but then someone who also appreciates um what's right with you so there's that 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 balance so for years many 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 years weekly therapy to work through the the process through um how it's affecting my body my mind and my spirit of my past and then also adding on a life coach that helps appreciate what's right about me as well and so that i can see um yes that is real but there's also all this beautiful opportunity to
0: find within the ashes. That's, yeah, that's an interesting distinction. Um, I just had a, a coach come on, Rod Francis. Uh, he was, uh, he came on my podcast a couple episodes ago and was, was talking about that exact thing, about the differences between, between therapy and a coach and how they can be equally kind of powerful in their own respect. Tell me, so kind of continuing the narrative, as far as once you sort of, you you went back to school, um, what was, what was next? What did you move on to when you kind of started your career?
1: So from there, I, um, I was, I've been very resourceful. So I'm a resourceful person. And that's something that I think comes from when you have nothing, um, you, you learn how to kind of be resourceful and so i um i continued on my coursework and i continued on building my career i needed to figure out how to get off of um for example um food stamps and um medicare medicaid and so in order to get off of medicaid i needed to have insurance so i ended up getting a job at a hospital so at a hospital i could have a job that um i could work um and have good insurance so that I didn't have to have Medicaid anymore and so I did that and then I continued on and was able to build my career so from there I built my career and again using my resourcefulness so when looking over the timeline of the past how can you identify those pieces of um, light and ember coming out of the ashes so, for example, I'm extremely resourceful, and very resourceful in honoring and leaning into that skill. Now, the why I'm resourceful is because sometimes I had to figure out where my meals were coming from. I had to figure out how to um, escape the circle of poverty. I had to figure those things out, which made me very resourceful. So the, that's the why. However, the, the benefit that comes out of it is resourcefulness. Same thing with um, um, strategic. So I got into strategic planning. I learned lean technologies. I learned methodologies. And a combination of my, my college education with my own personal learning. So with um, being uh, learning um, strategic planning, for example. Well, when you have nothing, and you have to figure out the days and the times of how to get from the bus stop to the food pantry to the daycare and back to back to class again um, while packing a baby a stroller a backpack and a baby bag then you better know you're going to make sure you get to that food pantry before it closes or you don't eat you, that is a strategic planner right there so how do you lean into that and combine your education from your coursework and learn lean methodologies and then strategic planning. So you're able to then elevate the things that are not so great and find something that happened to you to happen for you. And so through my career and developing um, how, where I've come to, was really honoring my past. And through honoring my past and seeing those, you know, things that, could be positives that I could use is how I developed that. So then I went on and I went on to consulting. I built my career in which to consult some of the largest corporations in the world on their space and their people and help them um, understand the data around where they would locate in the world. I traveled all over the world in doing that. And then um, as I continued on, I built my career in healthcare and I was able to take something or take something that was um take nothing and kind of make it into something which again in my personal life i was able to take nothing and make it into something and so then in my career i've been able to turn businesses around as a business strategist and help them um, position themselves in the market in which to create more income Um, and so uh, businesses that have been in existence for for over 30 years i come in i help them uh, reorganize their business so that they see more profit than they've ever seen. And so, again, it comes right back to how do you honor uh, what has what, happened to you in order to happen for you? And uh, that's where coming to be a serial entrepreneur and creating different businesses all the way to creating my own private school. So um, that is how uh, that evolution works.
0: So it sounds like you're you're sort of able to take the, some of the, the lessons that you learned just kind of in your own personal development um, in terms of uh, kind of taking ownership of, of what's going on and actually apply that then in your career. So I, I wanted to talk to you about um, that private school the, that you founded so that it's Acton Midwest. Um, tell me about, you know, just what uh what your thinking was there in terms of why you wanted to to start a school
1: yes so it goes back to again my childhood so i have three children you can see in the background i have um, my daughter now fast forward she's 22 and then i have two boys that are 12 and nine from my second marriage my, my, my husband my Second uh, marriage adopted my daughter, and and I had two boys, and we did, um, all the things. So we have done private school, public school, homeschool, Montessori, and, um, all at the time served exactly what we're uh, looking for. However, there was still something missing. And I feel that particularly in the past two years has been an elevation, uh, or not an elevation, the curtain's been drawn on the system of education. And I also feel that as a parent, I have a right to choose and, um, to choose the education for my children and what that looks like and why not, um, why not require the best in what's best for us. So. Um, In that I found Acton, so it's A-C-T-O-N, it's a school that was founded in Austin, Texas, about 11 years ago, and it's a model that teaches STEM, so science, technology, engineering, and math, with an entrepreneurial twist in a Socratic culture. So what really intrigued me was the concept that children uh, have a hero's journey. So I advocate for all of us have a hero's journey. We're on this beautiful journey of life and we are continually coming into forks in the road where we have to make a choice. We make that choice. We stand in that choice and, um, and we, we check it out and see what happens. And then we make another choice. And sometimes we fall on our face. Um, a lot of times we fall on our face and then we get back up and we try again. And you find mentors, you find people to help you on this journey, or you seek out to follow them. And each time we're identifying our strengths as a who we are as a human. Because when you come into that fork in the road, when you're stood in the face of fear, when you when you stand in the face of a decision and you're afraid, or you're fearful, you, you're uh, un, uh, afraid of the unknown. You're afraid of a decision you need to make and you're not quite sure. The only difference between the, uh, a hero or heroine and a coward is the action that follows the emotion. Every person, whether they are hailed in history as being a hero or hailed in history as being a coward, they all had the same emotion. Everyone faces fear, but what do you do after the fear and what's the choice that you make? And so, um, With the hero's journey, that's another portion of the culture, is that every child has a hero within them. How do we give them the tools in which to make the choices that they believe in and be respected for it? And so they, uh, the Socratic method, is also the culture. So none of the teachers, which are called guides, answer any questions. What they do is they guide and help learners find their own answers. What's interesting is that you'll find a five year old, six year old, seven year old that might be afraid. They ask a question and the guide says, How would you seek that answer? And they're like, Why do not you answer me? Why don't you tell me the answer? And very quickly they find out that they have the power to find the answer. And we encourage our youth to ask questions and research and understand what research means. And understand what peer-reviewed means and understand um, um what a qualitative and quantitative question the answer might be and so um and so that method and it's 11 year old uh method that's been of teaching that's been around the children that graduate are being sought after by the high of some of the biggest companies in the world in the some of the most prestigious colleges in the world, because they know that the learners can process information, they can, um, and they can um, ask questions and build and create because they're not. Um, they're not limited by a system that is broken, and so, for for us and for me, I have long, lifelong teachers. Um, Reading down my doors in order to try and teach and want to teach and get on the wait list of my school because they didn't go to school in order to make a bunch of money they went to school in which to teach and um, and be connected with with students um, and the love for learning and unfortunately um, the system has let them down.
0: So the Socratic uh, the Socratic method that was something that in my high school experience, a couple of my English classes, uh, we did, you know, Socratic seminars. And I found that to be really, really helpful in terms of just spurring me can, you know, continued thinking uh, and discussion uh, compared to, you know, just what you're saying, kind of asking the teacher, you know, for the answer directly, and then just sort of, you know, waiting and Writing that down in order to pass the test, you know that that's going to be handed down. It was much much more, you know, inspiring you to really think for yourself, as you're saying. So, you know, I think that uh, that was a really cool method, and and one that I'm super glad that uh, it sounds like you're able to successfully implement in in your schools. Transitioning a bit um, into uh, what you are doing uh, as far as uh, the, the PhD that you're getting in organizational leadership and behavior. Tell me about kind of why you wanted to go and get that specific PhD and what, what you're hoping to be able to do with that.
1: So um, with this particular PhD education, the reason that I chose this path is because I feel that as organizations and as communities in our world I was really intrigued by the positive psychology and appreciative inquiry on how we can flip the way we look at things so from a um how do we stay with the heart of what an organization and a community um, loves to do and stands for while also moving the communities and organizations in a, in a positive direction and in a direction that um, that is long term so for example i'll go into organizations and companies who are um, they're not um, they're not on the same page so they may be struggling financially and they might be stuck struggling culturally and i will go into an organization and Facilitate a conversation around um, rather than what what have we done and what was wrong, it's a conversation around how might we become. And so it's based on uh, Margaret Wheatley. I enjoyed her, um, her viewpoint on a lot of things that happen in our world, per se, and having coming from an appreciative inquiry standpoint of um, how might we improve or. Change what's happening now and into the future and bring communities together. So that's where organizational behavior comes from is understanding why people do what they do and how to help um, move in a direction that serves rather than depletes.
0: And is that same approach something that, that you feel like is similar in terms of working, uh, say, with students, with, with your school? um it does does that sort of approach translate to the workplace or are there differences
1: i i feel it, it's overall so if you're using it in your family in your community or in your organization so for example even with yourself so um why do you do what you do and how is it serving you and those that you love individually in your family Why, what do we stand for? What are our family values? And what do we stand for as a family? And how do we, are we helping the community? Same thing with your community. What do we stand for as a community organization or as a community as a whole? And how are we uplifting our world? And same thing with an organization. What does it look like? What do we stand for as an organization? Who are we? And what what are we, com, um, contributing to our world? Because at the end of the day, no matter who you are, a person, a family, a community, an organization, all the everything in our world and on this journey of life, it's about how are you, what are you putting into the world? Because we can't take it with us. So, um, there's this concept that, you know, what is that vision of what you Plan to leave behind in, in your world because again you can't take it with you, and um, you know at the end of your days, what is that impact you want to leave? And there's a concept that um, you don't truly die until the last person speaks your name. So, what is that impact that you want to leave?
0: And then, kind of transitioning to to moving forward. Uh, I saw that you are working on publishing a second book focused on academic entrepreneurism. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to me a little about um, that academic entrepreneurism and uh, just why why you thought it was um, so important to write a book on it?
1: So I'm co-authoring that, and I feel that I was excited to participate in this because, as a professor. From a from professor standpoint, when you're teaching um, when you're teaching students on entrepreneurialism, what uh, there's that there's that question of is an entrepreneur someone who is taught, um, or is it a, someone who has done it? And is it are you born to be an entrepreneur, or are you is that something that you can self-select? Um, and so with this book, it's a, it's a, um, a combination of stories and a combination of theory around, um, I feel it's both. So I feel that because of reflecting back on the different ways in my short lifetime that I've had to try and fail and try and fail and try and fail, that that is a spirit of entrepreneurialism Along with a combining your education and what you can learn and take in, and which to become an entrepreneur. Because you can be an entrepreneur within an organization while working for a company, but being an entrepreneur in which you are navigating through that organization with an entrepreneurial spirit. You can also be an entrepreneur in um, your own business and creating your own businesses. You can do both at the same time. And then you can also be an entrepreneur of your life, meaning how are you uh, using an entrepreneurial spirit in which to self-develop at a rapid pace.
0: Awesome. Well, uh, Carolyn, I've really enjoyed our conversation today. Um, anything you would like to, to leave just as we, as we wrap this discussion up?
1: Uh, I guess the only thing I would say is... Um, through the different things that we've talked about today, I would like to say to you and to your listeners and to everyone to just leave them with a thought of when you're looking at that next thing that you're after, or you're you're, you're thinking you need to move forward in some way. Just remember that sometimes you have to borrow the light that another sees in you until your fierce light ignites. Hmm
0: interesting okay so finding finding even if if you are not feeling whole or like that you don't have it figured out finding someone someone else that you can sort of borrow that spirit from to Mm -hmm. try to 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 work on getting there yourself
1: yes because sometimes you know we don't believe that we can do it per se but another person believes it or another person sees something in you you're like oh yeah that that's not me. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. That I don't know why they see that in me. Well, you know what, How about you just borrow what they see in you? Because sometimes people see things in you that you don't see. But maybe you just have to borrow that until your until your concept of yourself catches up.
0: Got right. it. Awesome. Well, Carolyn, where uh, where can people if listeners? Uh, want to find out more about your work or get your books? Where would you direct them to?
1: Uh, come to my website at carolincaline dot com, or you can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook, and you can find me on LinkedIn, all the same. carolincaline dot com
0: Great. And for those listeners who enjoyed the show, go ahead and like and subscribe to our YouTube channel where Ross goes Wetsuit Neuro and also subscribe on whatever audio platform that you listen to the podcast on, whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or any of the other ones. We are on them all. Carolyn, I wanted to really thank you for coming on the show today and sharing your, your story. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Welcome to Toby's Takeaways, the segment where I discuss a few of the most important takeaways that I had from the interview that I just recorded with Carolyn Colleen. First takeaway is that perspective is key. Carolyn gravitated towards a victim mentality at a young age due to all the abuse she faced growing up, although she was able to experience unconditional love for her daughter for the first time and was able to start shifting her perspective. Next takeaway is that Carolyn was able to figure out how to turn her fears and flashbacks into a direction that would actually fuel her instead of resulting in self-sabotage. And the last takeaway I had from the interview is that dealing with her own traumas was very important for Carolyn, especially after becoming a parent, as she did not want to pass on any of her own traumas to her child.